The reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I will follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he nor plants, nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Thank you, Jane, very much indeed. So a good number of you were here this morning when we thought particularly about that phrase from Acts chapter 2, that the Lord added daily those who were being saved, that expectation of growth that was there in the early church. And we thought particularly as to why that church was growing. And uh, I drew out from those words that it was something to do with the high level of commitment that was evident in the disciples at that time, the expectation of what God was doing among them, and the element of sharing and of community life that they had together. And so the church grew, and those principles we recognized are very important for growth in the church today, which we believe can and will happen. So tonight, we're kind of staying with the growing theme, so there's a bit of a link, really, from this morning to this evening, but if you weren't here this morning, that's fine. This evening stands in its own right. As uh, we move the focus from Jerusalem to the church at Corinth, where growth was much more difficult, the story of Jerusalem was of a rapid growth of the believers in the early days. The story at Corinth was very different. I'll be speaking a few, a few weeks' time in the morning from Acts chapter 18, which is the story of Paul's visit to Corinth, thwart with hazards and difficulties. But tonight we look at a few verses from the letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, and particularly to this little phrase in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 7, which says, God makes things grow. God makes things grow. So this morning it was the Lord who added daily those who were being saved, and this evening it is God who makes things grow. Now the context of these words in Corinth was a division about leadership. I follow Paul, said some of them. I follow Paulus, said some of the others. And it seemed as if the church at Corinth had almost divided itself into different camps based on their attraction to particular leaders. Now, we know quite a lot about Paul in Corinth. We know less about Apollos. 
But the text here confirms what we read in Acts, that Paul was the pioneer missionary in Corinth and that Apollos came after. And they each brought their distinctive contributions into the life of the church's leaders. But of course, the error of the people was to rally around the name of one or another leader to the extent that there was jealousy and there was quarreling in the community there. Has anything changed? Well, sadly, these things have happened all the way through the history of the church and still happen today. There is always the danger that Christian leadership revolves too much around an individual rather than a team. The New Testament pattern seems to be that wherever possible, the, uh, there would be an appointment of a number of elders in each location, giving spiritual oversight to a congregation. And then Paul and some of the others had more of an apostolic ministry, bringing direction and encouragement to many different churches. So this team model has a lot to commend it, and certainly a pattern that was common in the New Testament. But even when there are teams of leaders in churches today, there's still a tendency for people to sort of gravitate around one or other individual as a focal point, as perhaps a favorite, or as a, perhaps a leader whom they particularly appreciate. Paul's main point here is that the leaders are merely the enablers or the servants. That God is the one who really matters because it's God who makes things grow. And the passage moves from the agricultural metaphor, Paul planting, Apollos watering, God making things grow, that's an agricultural metaphor, then to the building metaphor, the foundation, which is Christ, and then everything else that builds on that. There is only one foundation, Jesus Christ. And so whether you think of the agricultural metaphor, the planting and the watering, but actually it's God that makes things grow. Or if you think of the building metaphor where the only foundation is Jesus Christ and everything is built on that. It's the same message that actually the growth comes from what God is doing among his people. And therefore my role and the role of others is simply to prepare the way, to present the truth, to cultivate the environment, to encourage the workers to serve in such a way that the true focus remains on God himself. And that is the hallmark of a community of faith. We're the people of God. We are the body of Christ. We are indeed, as Paul says later in this chapter, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's God's kingdom, it's God's church, and it is God who makes things grow. It is God who is working within you to bring about his good purposes. It is the Lord who enables true growth to take place. So recognizing tonight that God makes things grow, what difference does that make to how we approach our thinking about church life? I think the first thing it tells us is that growth is to be expected. Because if God makes things grow, God's not going to fail. And God is saying, He makes things grow. Jesus said, I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when we're talking about growth, we are talking about a godly activity because God is in the business of growth. And if you look at the church worldwide, of course, it's a great story of growth. From 2,000 years ago, a single group of people in Jerusalem to those who then uh, became well-established as Christian communities in many of the regions around uh, Asia Minor, as it was in those days, uh, Middle East, and uh, then moving into Europe and so on. And then the church spread far and wide. And we can see now that huge story of growth. The story of the church, though it is a story that has suffering and tragedy and mistakes and all kinds of things wrapped up in it, is nevertheless a story of growth. Growth is to be expected. So we should expect people to become Christians because God is speaking into the hearts and lives of other people that they might come to know him. That doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. But ultimately it is God who brings conviction of what is wrong, a spirit of repentance and the discovery of Christ. We can expect people to change their ways and not to go on living as they have always lived because God is in the business of changing lives. And we can expect people to grow to maturity. There's a comment here about uh, these brothers and sisters in Corinth not being able to take um, the solid food, but instead uh, as mere infants in Christ, only able to take milk. That image is used a number of times in the New Testament. And it suggests that there are those who, when they first come to faith, have an awful lot to learn and need to be fed in a, in a way that is appropriate to a spiritual infant. And then the desire is obviously that people come to a place of maturity and, and where they can explore, understand and think about things in a deeper way. Sadly, there are times when people just don't grow up spiritually and they stay in that infancy, which is very difficult. But God is in the business of growth. So he wants people to come to faith and to grow up in their faith and to come to that place of maturity. So growth is to be expected because this is what God is doing. This is what he is doing among us, but of course he needs us as part of that growth picture. And we all have an important part within it. Growth is to be expected. Now the next thing that's important from these words is that human leadership is important, but it is secondary. Because this is what went wrong at Corinth, is that the human leadership got in the way of the spiritual growth that God was doing. But nevertheless, that human leadership is important because if Paul and Apollos didn't go to Corinth, there would be no church there. If the Apostle Paul did not respond to the call of God on his life and all of that which he carried out, which is recorded for us in the book of Acts, there would have been no church. Human leadership is so important but it is secondary to what God is doing. Leadership is a vital ministry to the church, has been through all the generations, remains so today. I count it a privilege to have that role. I'm so grateful to God and to the congregations where I've served that have helped to sustain me in the particular form of ministry that I believe God has called me to do.
and anything, but anything that I do, anything that Martin does, anything which the deacons do, anything which those who have any kind of leadership role within this particular congregation might do, anything we do is always secondary to what God is doing. That's the most important thing. That God is in the business of changing lives, of bringing people closer to him and building people up in their faith. That's God's work. And we seek to stand underneath, alongside, in whatever way, as a servant in order to help. Human leadership is important, but it is secondary. And when it takes the primary role, that's when things begin to go wrong. And you can see it time and time again. And if you look closely, at some of the growth stories of the church uh, in recent times. Some of the big stories of where things have seemingly gone remarkably well. There have been times when they have tragically then tumbled into a crisis. And often when you look at why that has happened, you find that it is something to do with human leadership taking too much of a place which should properly belong to God alone. It is God who gives us growth and our focus is upon him. And I think it's just very important to underline this when we're thinking about growth. Uh, growth in church life is something of a mystery. I've discovered over the years that when you think something is going to go really well, and uh, there's going to be a massive impact of something that you do. The impact may not be so great. And then round the corner, something that you don't expect suddenly happens. And it's a wonderful story of God changing someone's life and bringing about growth. It's often in the unexpected ways that God's Spirit is at work. Let me thirdly say that we are followers of Jesus Christ and not of anyone else. It, again, it reinforces what had gone wrong in the church of Corinth, where the focus was on the Apostle Paul or Apollos, and, and the church was hopelessly divided over which leader they were following. But actually, we are called to be followers of Jesus Christ and of no one else. And really, the message of Corinthians is repeated in Ephesians chapter 4, 14 to 16. Continues after the prayer of the Apostle Paul for that particular church. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. From him, from Christ, who is the head, every part of the body grows and builds itself up in love. The growth comes from Jesus Christ, who is head of the church. What would Jesus do is always the question that we should be asking as we seek to serve him together 
in the church. And taking a wider view of 1 Corinthians 3, because we read just the first part of it, God is making things grow. The only foundation on which that growth occurs is Jesus Christ. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit in which God is dwelling. So a growing church will always be a Christ-centered church. And the focus is going to be upon what God is doing, upon the person and the character of Jesus Christ and the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. We're followers of Jesus Christ and not of anyone else. And so finally, just to say that there are no shortcuts in the growth which comes from God. Because if God is making things grow, if God is at work in his church today, as I believe he is, then there are going to be no shortcuts to the growth which comes from God. When it is from God, it is for real. Your personal spiritual growth will come out of your true discipleship, your careful Bible study, your regular prayer, your constant self-reflection that allows the Spirit of God to nurture the way that you live for Jesus every day. And when that's happening and it's real, God is bringing the growth in your Christian character. Our corporate growth will come out of what we said this morning. When we together engage in that commitment to church life, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayers, with a high expectation of what God is doing and a deep sharing and generous sharing of the resources that God has placed in our hands, then the corporate growth will come. And the growth of the church across this land and across the world will come through the faithful witness of God's people through creative and imaginative mission, through breaking down the barriers between the church and the communities around us, opening up doorways through which God is able to work. And sometimes the growth will be fast and exciting, and sometimes it will be hard and it will be slow. But there are no shortcuts to the growth which comes from God. Now these messages, both from Acts chapter 2 this morning and 1 Corinthians 3 tonight, were anticipated many years before either of those passages were written. In the words of Psalm 127 and verse 1. Because there in the Psalm of Ascent we read, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the guards stand in vain. I think it was about 15 or 20 years ago that uh, the song that we're about to sing was put together uh, based on this uh, psalm, on that opening word. And it seems to me just very appropriate that we capture that now as we sing this together.